Welcome to the Vacation Impossible podcast. This is Sunday, May 7th. We're currently in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of British Columbia, headed down to Seattle on the Carnival Legend. We are headed back on our Alaska cruise, and um, we've got a lot to cover in this episode. We did a lot of new stuff on this trip, so I'm going to start off with the Q&A section so that we can uh, make sure we don't miss any important questions. We're joined for the first question by Julian, our junior cruiser, and we have a question for him from Christine. <laughs> Uh, so she says she wants to know about everything. She wants sort of a general overview. But really, she's, she's thinking about bringing her grandson on an Alaskan cruise. So she wants to know if there is something a kid might like to do. What kind of, what kind of fun is there for kids on an Alaskan cruise? So we're going to ask a kid expert. <laughs> well, uh, personally, uh, I I enjoyed uh, our stop to Juno. It was really fun. My mom actually got a really cute hat of a like a wolf dog and so so I kind of wanted one too so she bought me one which really was cute so pretty much Juno because because if your if your son or daughter likes animals that's the place to go what else did we do while we were in Juno though Julie oh also we did we did a really neat tram like and actually one time uh, actually, a few times we went up and down. Well, well, us two went up and down, up and down, up and down, over again. And yeah, but the thing is, one time we had to get off, but then got back on, which was the first time. And we we're like, oh hey, you know you can just stay on if you're going up and down, up and down. So that was pretty cool. And what, what, what did we see when we were on the top of the tram? What was at the top of the tram? Yeah, we we saw eagles. Well, we saw one eagle mm -hmm. there, who actually was injured in what was it, two thousand and six? Um, yeah, it was the lady Baltimore. She got injured by some poachers, um, and she can't mm -hmm. be uh, rehabilitated. Rehabilitated can't go back into the wild. So she's now an ambassador for Juno, uh, or actually rather for Mount Roberts, which is where the tram is, where you can go up and down on. Mm -hmm. um, and they have a nature center there as well to give some information. Um, and there's a theater there that uh, teaches you a little bit about the Klingit culture and how it was established in, and how, how it was established in Alaska and, and the relationship between the Russians and the Klingits and then the, the, subsequently the Americans. Um, and what else do we do? Well, also we went around. We, we had this pretty cool lunch with Root with like these floats, like soda floats, which if you don't know, is that is actually like a soda with with that with vanilla ice cream in it. Yeah, so pretty much how they make it is like they you get a pretty pretty big glass about like this tall, and uh, then they put ice cream in it. Then they give you a bottle of soda. You can actually ask for a certain kind, and then you just pour it in. Yeah, we, we all got uh, orange cream, which was, which was really nice. And uh, we I convinced my mom and dad to go to some carving shops. Yeah. Yeah. We saw a few furs at the carving shops with... with yeah, so if you're, like, animal lovers, like but, like, you, like, don't like it when animals are killed, sorry about that. Yeah. These these were pelts that were usually uh, generally caught by the Klingit people and whatnot. 
um, and then they were just sold to the souvenir shop. So it was it was it's not quite as dastardly as it sounds. I know PETA people might be upset, but it's it's kind of the leftovers from from the hunt, basically. Yeah, those animals, poor shame, poor shame. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we also went to this fudge store. Uh, I got a uh, uh, white chocolate covered Oreo and uh, white chocolate husky paw. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically a um a praline, um chocolate covered praline. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, pecans and um, something caramel covered in white chocolate. Really good. Really good. <laughs> So, Julian, you, you would say that uh, kids would have, uh, would they have a lot of fun coming to Alaska on a cruise? Do you think it's a good idea for kids to do that? Yeah, especially especially on this ship, because I think, I think that the size is kind of just right, because, like, it's not too small, it's not too big, and, like, if, and if your, if your child is participating in, in Camp Ocean, and they need to walk themselves to Camp Ocean... Well, actually, I think they, I think, they, when you book the cruise, like, they, did they mention, like, to try and put it on the fifth deck near Camp Ocean? Well, um, we're on the Carnival Legend, and so Camp Ocean is where the children go. It's sort of, uh, uh, you might think of it as a daycare, but it's a lot more fun than that. It's more like a summer camp. It's tons of activities and lots of fun. And so on the Carnival Legend, it's deck five forward. Upper, so Upper deck out. Yeah. Uh, so if uh, if you want to be close to Camp Ocean uh, on the Carnival Legend, uh, booking close to that is nice. We currently are not. We're actually on deck one aft. Um, but Julian's very responsible and obviously it's not his first cruise. He's a gold cruiser now. Uh, and so uh, he's shown enough maturity and responsibility that when I went to register him, uh, you can register for the camp online and you can say whether the child has the, your permission to take themselves in and out of camp or if they need an adult to come and check them out. And so he did that last time. And so, again, we did that this time and it's worked fine. Yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us, Julian. Uh, I know you've got some fun dinner with uh, Camp Ocean that you want to get off <laughs> to. So we're going to we're going to let you go to go do that. And then we'll continue uh, with uh, with the rest of the Vacation Impossible podcast. Well, um, actually, um Another thing you should, I should mention is, uh, I've heard someone asked uh, if uh, it's a good idea to let their kid walk themselves to Camp Ocean. Was it? Yeah, that's a question I've I've heard other people uh, ask. Yeah, um, I would say um, if if they're like like in a certain age group, like if they're like it's like okay, so. There are a few groups in the Camp Ocean area. There's the penguins, there's the stingrays, and there's the sharks. And then there's the Circle C for the teenagers, which, obviously, yeah, perfect. He's a teenager. Go for it. Um, but uh, I think, like, I think late stingrays, which would probably be age, in between age seven and, and above, I think would be a reasonable age to do that and actually uh, if you are unfamiliar where Camp Ocean is then uh, make sure on the day on the day you get on the cruise you go to a map that will give you the layout of the ship and actually uh, they're pretty precise on where it is 
because I was able to find it on my own. And uh, Camp Ocean, or on some ships, it's known as Camp Carnival, of uh, the older models, uh, uh, or the older setups, um, they have some of their own rules about what ages are allowed to check themselves in and out, so obviously mm -hmm. consult that. And the first day you get on the ship, you're able to go in and check the registration is fine, or register them if you haven't already done so online, and take a tour of the area. We recommend doing that just so that, um, that you know, uh, regardless of age, that, the, that um, the child's hopefully comfortable being in the space, and they're familiar with it, and you know where it is, and you're comfortable there as well. Yeah. So thank you very much for your uh, joining us, Julian. We'll let you go have some fun with Camp Ocean, have some dinner, and then we'll pick things up in a moment. Thanks, Julian, for joining us for his per first appearance on the Vacation Possible podcast. So we want to continue with the Q&A section of the Vacation Possible podcast so that we make sure we get all the questions in. We had some really good uh, questions this time around. Yeah. So uh, Angela said, uh, hi there, have a great time in Alaska. We did, thank you for that. Uh, they were there in 2014, said it's a beautiful spot, but they found the Gulf of Alaska to be a bit rough. Um, and they'd like to know a little bit more about the nightly entertainment on the ship because they want to decide what to do on their sea nights. So um, first off, I was just saying about, I uh, want to say that this has been one of the most stable cruises I've ever been on. One thing that I like about the cruising is that you get a bit of a rocking at nighttime and it helps you sleep. And that hasn't been there this trip. It's been very stable. So I've actually had trouble sleeping a little bit, which is weird. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that. So I haven't found it to be rough at all. In fact, now that we're getting back, we're sort of in Canadian territorial waters. Now we're starting to get a little bit of the the ship movement. But even that is is very subtle versus what what I'm used to. Uh, for nightly entertainment, uh, I didn't really see much of the playlist shows or the live performers that much. Uh, I went to the comedy club. Now, the com the comedians will be different every sailing. So. Um, there's Merle Hobbs who was on this one who was absolutely hilarious so yeah. if you get a chance to see him he's fantastic but you can't tag that as being part of an Alaska trip or a Carnival Legend trip because the comedians are moving around all the time uh, we also really really enjoy Tommy Drake uh, I've seen him on two separate ships and uh, I've seen one of his uh, routines three separate times and it's still as funny as the first time and that's very rare uh, so he's fantastic but I would always say go to all the comedy club shows as much as possible for your evening entertainment uh, also, there's the piano bar here, and so uh, we have had uh, Patrick Duffy, although we only know his name is Patrick Duffy because of Facebook and we research these things. Uh, as a guest, you'll just know him as Patrick, so uh, you're not as distracted by the whole Patrick Duffy is a leg South Park reference that keeps running through my head. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, uh, thoughts on thoughts on that? Rough seas and nightly entertainment. Um, no, the seas definitely weren't as rough. I mean, um, I mean, I definitely like the Pichinya, um, and so it, it helped for me for sleeping. So um, interesting that you find it different, um, but um, it's certainly a lot windier uh, than the other cruises have been. Um, and so you know, we'd be out, you know, forward and have to like lean into the wind in order to walk, uh, which is fun and interesting. Um, the yeah, haven't done any of the um, any of the. Um, like the Hasbro game show or any of the stuff at the um, the main stage area uh, don't it doesn't really that stuff doesn't really appeal to me all that much so I don't go to it but yeah we, we do the uh, comedy shows um, and yeah further to what uh, Ray was saying with regards to um, comedians uh, Merle Hobbs he came on halfway through the cruise with us uh, and he came from Mexico so he went from Puerto Vallarta Mexico to Skagway Alaska uh, in one day so that was a bit of a, a bit of a uh, leg for him and a bit of a climate change for him um, so you know he joked about that and he's hilarious um, um, some of the other comedians I really liked was uh, Jean Brion um, and um, was I think Jacqueline Bishop she was amazing 
Um, for you, the U.S. viewers uh, or listeners, she has a, a Netflix special that came out somewhere recently, I think. Um, unfortunately, we were not able to catch that, but hopefully you guys can. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely make a point of seeing as many of the comedy shows as we possibly can. Um, after a while, like I, I kind of get a feel for which ones I like. Because the other comedian that's on, um, not really feeling him so much, so I'm probably not gonna make a big effort to see his shows today. But Merle Hobbs' shows, he's got three shows today, so I'm gonna you know do everything I can to make sure we go to all three. Um, uh, this this sailing, I've been really fortunate that it's a piano bar guy that I like. Um, this is my fifth sailing, um, and this is my first time liking a piano bar. Uh, piano bar guy. Um, he's really, really interactive, which I know is not really your favorite thing, but I, li I like I like a certain degree of interactiveness. Like one of the things I really like about Natalie uh, Carboni is that you can just sit there and enjoy the talent and and her vocal ability and join in when you like. And with uh, with uh, Gustavo, his sort of acerbic wit, uh, you know, and the gags and stuff, but. Um, Patrick Duffy kind of calls people out when they're not really participating and that's a little awkward for me just because um, there's a lot of songs that I just don't know that are piano bar favorites and I mean as I've been going over the years more and more I've made an effort to get to know some of the ones I've heard that I've enjoyed and so I've learned a lot and discovered a lot of new music this way but there's some things that are just not my jam and so you know I like to just kind of sit and relax and I'll watch and I'll let the other people enjoy it waiting for a good song that I really enjoy to come along um, but it's just it's a it's a little weird when he's, he's literally shining a light on you if yeah. you're not participating enough and calling you out uh, person by person and you know he says he's, he's got five rules about what you do and one yeah. of the rules is sing loudly but not well and I don't want to be the guy going meow 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 okay. through an entire song when somebody else is maybe really enjoying that actual song and seeing the actual words. It's, it, I feel like I'd be a distraction. I'd be taking away from it. And so uh, while I enjoy him, I think that he's the kind of piano bar performer I'd like to be in the booth, sort of at the back. Kind of, mm -hmm. I w I will enjoy it, but front and center, it's it's a little too. Uh, it's it's not it's not that it's too interactive. It's that your interactivity is is accountable. You're held accountable for yeah. how much you interact. You know, um, and so that that's that that's the one little drawback for me. But I, I still think that he's probably in the top five performers I've seen uh, in terms of piano bars over over the different sailings. Absolutely. Wanda said that uh, she's going in July of next year and would like to know about the ship and also what excursions are best to take. So the Carnival Legend is a spirit class ship. It is larger than, say, a fantasy class, and it's uh, smaller than, say, a dream class. So um, the Legend's pretty good. It's different in a few ways. It has a roof that covers one of the two pools, but not all the way. Um, and it also has a lot of activities on lower decks. If you're used to a fantasy or a dream class, the lower decks are just stateroom cabins. They're nothing else. But here on a spirit class, the comedy club is deck one forward, for example. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of activities, deck two, deck three, uh, you know, and, and so there's a lot of like supplementary food options there. Uh, you know, a lot of the trivia contests are held in those sorts of areas. So it's a little weird. Normally it's like Lido is normally like deck 10. And so you want to get the action on deck 10. Maybe on a dream class deck five, you have the promenade where there'll be a few things. But uh, for this spirit class, it's just sort of all over the place and a lot more lower decks. And also Lido's deck nine on this on this ship not a traditional sort of deck 10 situation so i found that for this eight day sailing um the food options start to feel a little repetitive now one thing that the legend has done that i'm not a big fan of is one of their um their sort of buffet areas 
where on, say, Dream Class, or you might find a Guy's Burgers or something like that, they've replaced it with a for-pay option with seafood. Yeah. I don't know if that's Alaska-specific or not. We're going to find this out in September, because we're back on this ship in September going to Hawaii. But it removed an entire buffet area from the all-inclusive pool, which meant that the lineup for the off-the-grill, for example, normally on a, even a fantasy class, you get two yeah. off-the-grill side-by-side. This was one of those was, was sort of subsumed by this for-pay option that very few people seem to be taking advantage of. Yeah. At one point, the lineup for Off the Grill went all the way into the elevator lobby and down the stairs for a cheeseburger. That yeah, was insane. Uh, so, you know, it, there's there's benefits and drawbacks. Uh, you know, the ship isn't too large. It, you know, you're not that likely to get lost. And it's nice on the lower deck. You don't always have to go all the way up to deck 9 or 10 for the action. Sometimes it's on deck 1. So the variety is is kind of nice in terms of the ship. Yeah, I felt I felt like the again expanding on the food options. Um, the the yeah, NBR, the main dining room, the food there was fantastic. It was above reproach. Um, the steaks. If you're into steaks, this is the greatest ship for steaks. Uh, we actually we've been doing the the flat iron uh, steak um, uh, for me almost every single day. Um, and the one day I did a filet mignon option, figuring oh man, if they're gonna do a, the, just a regular flat iron like that, well the filet mignon is gonna be outstanding. Didn't actually care for the filet mignon. I thought that the the flat iron was far superior. Um, just much much more flavor, um, way more tender. It was much more juicy, and um, I swear to God they sous vide it um, and then fry it um, or grill it rather. So it was it was outstanding. Um, the one thing with regards to the Lido though, I found like the the Lido area is much smaller than basically all the other ships I've been on. Like even the imagination that we were on in December, I, it felt much much larger, um, and I felt like the hours were longer uh, with with the imagination. Like I felt like um, there's always very rare times where there were wasn't an option for you know snacking on something, um, like uh, the pizza like pizza pirate here. I mean supposedly it's twenty four hours. That is very much a lie. It is not twenty four hours by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and um, and it's usually understaffed, um, so which is unfortunate because especially um, and I found that a little bit frustrating. Like when um, comedy, the late night comedy show ends, pretty much everyone beelines upstairs to Lido uh, for for some sort of snack, um, and so you'll find yourself waiting like twenty minutes for a pizza. Which yeah, okay, if you're ordering pizza at home, twenty minutes like well, I can't believe you're crying about twenty minutes. That's fantastic, but you know on the Lido you usually get them within a couple minutes. Well, and also, I mean, you're on the Lido, and you have to wait to get your, if you've got bottomless bubbles, for example, you've got to wait to get that, then you've got to wait to get the food. In order to put the meal together, if you want a salad, you're waiting in three, four separate lines if you include dessert. Mm -hmm. And so, how do you time that? How do you figure out the order to do that so that your, 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 the ice in your pop isn't totally melted by mm -hmm. the time you're getting to the pizza? That, you know, uh, that comes out hot, but it'll cool, and but you want to take the pizza out in the Alaskan cold getting to get a drink, and then it'll cool yeah. quickly. So that that was a little frustrating. We also found that like a lot of uh, a lot of the times, certain buffets were closed uh, like for changeover really early, or like the hours seemed really inconsistent. On, yeah, there was always there was often something during the posted hours in the app, but it was fewer of the sort of the buffet areas than you would think, and given how many people were on the ship and how many uh, limited alternatives there are, it yeah, it was it was unusually busy. I, I worry that this too is another one of those cost-saving measure things that's happening. There's been a lot of that and just increasing frequency of that with Carnival, which, I mean, it doesn't really, by and large, I mean, these are little minor things that we're kind of, you know, whining about. It doesn't really take away from the enjoyment. But, like, you know, at one point, like, on one of the uh, port days, they were shutting down the breakfast buffet at, like, 10 o'clock. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Uh, some people aren't even getting up until 10 o'clock. And now, you know, exactly. 
Um, and so, it, but then we have to wait a bit for, you know, the pizza pirate that's 24 hours, uh, to open up and whatnot. So, it, it, you know, but again, I mean, if really this is the worst complaint that we have, then, you know, we're, we're laughing, really, I suppose. And to clarify, pizza pirate not being 24 hours, what that means is during breakfast service, they switch it over to the omelet station. Yeah. So it's not like you have, there's a period of time where there's no food options short of room service. That's not mm -hmm. the case. It's just at breakfast time, you can't get pizza, which, I mean, it makes some sense, yeah. but it's advertised everywhere in the app, the fun times, all over the place. They say it's 24 hours. And on all of their ships I've been on, it it's been true. Yeah. So it's it's a little misleading and it's not a problem, but it's we, we just wish they were a little bit more upfront about it. Yeah. And if you're, you're first timers too, you're probably going to get a little annoyed by that. We're, we've, we've been cruising for a while, so we kind of just learn to accept this and kind of just like roll with punches. But if you're first timer, that I mean, that might be enough for some people just to be turned off of it. That I even said, the pizza quality on this ship has really been top-notch, and the omelets have been very good, too. So that station, I'm happy with, yeah. uh, pretty much always. Uh, part of the question was about excursions. Unfortunately, we can't answer that very well because we didn't take formal carnival excursions on this trip. But we can give you some ideas about some alternatives. So in Juneau, there is the tram that takes you up Mount Roberts. And so that's $33 for adults and $16 for children, at least right now as of 2017. Yeah. And um, that's fantastic. It's easy to find. You you can walk there off the ship. You pay when you get there. Um, so I don't think that, uh, depending on what you're looking for, I mean, if you want to go whale watching or whatever, that's a whole other thing. But if you're looking for something that gets you, I think, a really good authentic feel for Juno, and I mean, you took that tram, what, uh, six times round Something trip? Like that, yeah. So 12 trips, <laughs> you know, 12 one-way trip equivalents. Yeah, the, the tickets give you unlimited rides. Yeah. Um, and so you're, yeah, you can just use it, uh, and they're open from like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Um, or something like that. So they have, and so you can really milk it for all it's worth. And so you know, Julie really wanted to do the unlimited ride thing. So we, yeah, we stayed on and went up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, and we were, um, you know, given, they have, they have like little bits of speeches that they give on the ride up and down and they kind of vary it a little bit here and there. And so it's also a relatively new speech. Um, so there's, you know, one person there that this is her first time uh, giving the tour. Um, so she really struggled through, but we, you know, kind of cheer her on and whatnot. And there's other people that have, there's the first guy we went on with, um, uh, you know, he's a, a lot of the people who are tram operators, uh, were thinking people, um, of Alaska. Um, and so they were talking about their own personal experiences. Um, and so, you know, and he had his mother's drum with him and he, he, he's been the drum and kind of in teaching us some songs to sing. Um, so that was really neat. And then coming back down, they were teaching us how to say, you know, um, you know, see you next time basically. Um, and stuff like that. So it was really, really interesting and, and neat. And I learned a lot about Juno that I didn't know before. So I'm really, that was really neat. Um, with regards to excursions, we were on a Facebook group, uh, the, for this particular cruise. Um, and a lot of people on the group had talked about some of the excursions they've, t they took, um, and they seem to be really, really excited about that. Uh, one of the ones you can take is uh, Tracy, Tracy Arm Fjord. And basically, um, a ship comes up, a uh, catamaran ship, well, catamaran, I think it's a tunnel ship, anyways. Um, it kind of meets up uh, at, along the fjord uh, in what's called controlled collision. So they, they, kinda, it's, it's, so they meet match speeds at a very, very, very slow speed. Um, and then they, you know, connect the ships together and people just cross. Um, and we're talking slow, low, slow, slow speed. We're talking like two, three knots, like super slow. Well, actually, I think the controlled collision was when the, right, rangers, the rangers were met. coming on and off. So that's at a higher speed. The no, ship actually came to a full dead stop. It didn't drop anchor, I don't believe, no, it yeah. but it was functional that's at true, a full yeah, yeah. stop when the guests were transferring. So it would have it looked and it probably felt a lot just like a regular tender yeah. process. Yeah, and so we were watching them get on, uh, and there was actually two ships, one on either side. 
Um, and so we weren't able to go through Tracy Armfjord this time around because of the calving activity was very, very um, unpredictable and uh, very recent where there was a lot of it to got to the point where we couldn't navigate. We wouldn't be able to safely navigate through Tracy Arm. So we wound up going through uh, the Endicott Fjord. Um, and which is great because we still got to see gl glacier. We rather than seeing the Sawyer Glacier, which we would have seen at Tracy Arm, we got to see Dawes Glacier, um, which was really neat in the middle of dinner. You know, Ray's like, "Hey, look over there! There's a giant glacier!" <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, look! There's a giant glacier!" Um, but they got to um, they got to get fairly close to the glacier. Um, they got to go you know along the coastline and see some wildlife and whatnot. Um, they you know saw bears and mountain goats and and you know, other eagles and stuff like that. Um, and they even were given um, martinis that had uh, iceberg ice in it. Um, so that's pretty neat. But that that excursion was I think in the two hundred dollar range. It was quite pricey. Um, and so that's basically why we didn't really do any of the excursions because the, a lot of them were you know uh, well above hundred plus dollars. Um, and so we don't didn't really want to spend that kind of money uh, on those kind of excursions, especially because a lot of it was kind of dependent on whether or not animals would show up. Um, and so if you're going to spend like 300 plus dollars on these helicopter excursions, some of them were in the three, $400 range. Um, but, and that's to see, oh, you're going to see whales, you're going to see glaciers and all that sort of stuff. It's like, but you can still see the glacier on the ship and the whales may not actually show up. So if you're going to spend three, $400 per person um, and whales don't show up, I'm going to be mad, you know? And so, um, but they, but they had a really, really great time. Um, some people did um, yesterday at Ketchikan, they did um, some uh, flight seeing. Uh, so they went on a beaver boat um, and they had a great time. But again, that was another one that was a couple hundred dollars per person. Um, and, you know, it only fit four or five people. So very, very limited seating. But they posted photos and they said they had a fantastic time. They really, really enjoyed it. So if you have that kind of money to spend um, and, and if it is kind of a once in a lifetime sort of thing for you, um, then yeah, you know, and if you're not from an area where you get to see these animals at a somewhat regular occurrence like we are, like people uh, on our last cruise, pe someone said, hey, you should do the helicopter thing. Um, you know, don't really know what kind of budget that you have to work with, $350, but you get to see mountain goats and eagles and whales and bears. And we're like, yeah, we're from BC. We kind of see that for free anyways. <laughs> so he's like, oh, okay, never mind. Um, so, you know, that's, um, that's that. <laughs> Yeah, so for Juno, uh, I, I just recommend taking the tram. Yeah. I mean, and it's a, it's a, it is a little bit of money, but I think it's well worth it. But Absolutely. for those others, I think what it boils down to is if you're going to be spending the kind of money you spend to go to Atlantis, where you are guaranteed a great day, but the outcome is not guaranteed for totally understandable reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're paying for something and it's a, it's a gamble. So I, I wouldn't want to take that gamble with that amount. And the other thing is it's our first time to Alaska. So like in Skagway, it was just sort of a small town. You could walk around, you know, we found a radio shack that rents, <laughs> that rents Blu-rays. And sells mattresses. And sells mattresses and ice cream. And so it was... Yeah. It was, you know, and, and that was that was charming, and I even went back after we came back because I needed some some replacement earplugs, and I walked around the town all over again, and it was, I found that to be enjoyable enough. Mm -hmm. uh, catch you can, there's a tram, it's $3 per person, it's not quite as, it's not nearly as good, it doesn't go as far, you don't get the informative, you ride it just with other guests. Yeah. And so, and, and it basically gets you to the top of what would be, uh, a, you know, a decent hiking footpath. So I think that if you want to put money down for an excursion, Ketchikan or Skagway would make more sense than yeah. Juno. Juno, I think, go and just take the tram. Because uh, if I were to come back, I would probably do that again. Yeah. Whereas if I were to come back and go to Skagway or Ketchikan, I might be looking at those excursions a little bit more seriously than this time around. But that having been said, it was, it was a good time all around. Okay, so Kathy has a question. Why does a ship have to have classic art and outlines of nude figures? 
It's very uncomfortable when children are confronted with sexual pictures in close quarters, i.e. elevators, no escaping. The decor is very confusing, no, dis- no consistency. I hate the theme. So, yeah, that's that. I don't know how to react to this very well because it is classic. So it's kind of like it's it, it, it's a period of time that that's what art looks like. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's representing history and the history of art somewhat authentically. And she mentions it is outlines. Uh, and so and, and honestly, actually, she's she's maybe downplaying it. There's somewhere it's more than outlines. Um, honestly, I almost never noticed the the decor to that degree yeah. um, when it when it's that sort of stuff like. Um, like the painting behind me right now, if I wasn't looking right at it, I, I wouldn't remember what it is. And I've been in this room for over a week now. So, uh, to me, it's a, it's a small issue. Um, a lot of it's really just like Greco Roman art that they're showing. Um, things like Remus and Romulus and Athena and, and, um, you know, uh, depictions of the sort of Damocles and whatnot. So it's really just this, this really kind of casual, uh, Greco Roman art sort of theme um and a lot of like the, you know there's medusa's lounge and all that sort of stuff so that's really the theme of the ship and i'm gonna be totally i want to be respect as respectful as possible P- pictures uh, or depictions of people in the nude is not a depiction of sexuality it's a, pic- a depiction of someone who happens to not be clothed um there's a very 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 important and distinct difference between the two yeah, there's, um, there's no sexual acts that I can tell going on in the pictures. And 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 as someone who comes from an artist family, uh, my my grandfather uh, was a well, you know, somewhat well-known artist in Germany. Um, and you know, my biological father, he's an artist as well. My mom's an artist. Uh, I I dabble in art. Um, it it it's really important that I help people understand that when the, when I'm confronted with this topic, which fortunately isn't all that often. Um, that it's that we help to kind of educate people about that there's a difference between nudity and sexuality there here there happens to be some brief glimpses of nudity there is zero sexuality um and if there's people who disagree with that and that's that's totally your prerogative i'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for for having the reactions that you're react uh, having or feeling the way you're feeling um i disagree with you um the majority of the art community um will disagree with you um but that's just what it is right um i i think it's pleasant i think it's really nice i actually found the consistency okay there was this weird buffalo bill thing that well i'm just like why is there buffalo bill in amongst all this greco-roman stuff that i thought was kind of weird and that's where there was some inconsistent art um but it kind of but nevertheless the way the art was done because this kind of embossed kind of thing that they had going on or debossed thing that they had going on with most of the stuff um, it fit with that whole style, so in that regard, it was consistent. So, uh, and I mean, it is what you make of it. Like, yeah. do you pay attention to it, and how do you interpret it? I remember, um, for example, if you if you want, uh, I believe it's the miracle. I, I'm I'm struggling to remember what the art looks like on that, but I think that there was like a 1930s playbill type, um, and uh, uh, sort of on the walls and the, the staterooms and stuff like that. So it looked like it was like old. Uh, uh, Broadway shows or movies or, or Pulp Fiction Ooh, type things, or to seeing that. and there was I think there was one that was like tra- different travel destinations like Paris and etc. Nice. So there's a wide variety throughout Carnival. Don't think this is representative, but it it really is how you look at it. Like yeah. I remember when I first got on my first ship, which was the Inspiration, and I went to Lido with Burton, and I looked around and I was like, what's what's with, with what's with the tentacle porn? What's this, what's what's this all about? Which, to be clear, I'm not into. Um, but I'm like, wow, there's there's children eating here. This is this is weird. And then I eventually realized that it all kind of led to one giant octopus, and it was actually a theme for the Lido restaurant. Was that it was a giant squid octopus thing 
and and so all the purple things were tentacles going everywhere but the thing is it's like so many you, you you don't even notice and then when you notice it it's like what what happens to be on your mind at the time and on my mind at the time to, to put this in some context yes. was i was uh, i was trying to understand what made carnival different from vegas so I had Vegas on the mind, because I, I think that was partly how Burton explained it to me. It's like, well, we could go to Vegas, but instead we'll go on a cruise and it'll be better. So I was, I, I was in a Vegas frame of mind. So, so I was like, how is this like Vegas? And so I guess that was the connection. And then very quickly, once I realized what it was I was actually looking at, I'm like, okay, this is fine. That was more about me than what they were doing. Okay, so I've been to Vegas a few times, and at no point have I encountered tentacle form in Vegas. What have you been doing in Vegas when I'm not there? <laughs> Nothing like that, but I mean, like, you see the front of the Cosmo, there's, like, the, the girls dancing in the thing, in the windows, and, like, you know, you walk into almost any, uh, you know, any casino, and, okay. you know, there's there's strippers and stuff, right? So I was, like, I was, I, I guess I was bracing myself for a Vegas mentality, mm -hmm. and so I was looking through through that line, through those through those eyes, and then I, I've never found it outside of the casino. I mean, you can you can choose to be bothered by it, or you can choose to just turn a blind eye. I mean, really, it's a matter of do you want to have fun or do you want to be upset. Have fun. <laughs> so we have a, a question from Dennis. Uh, he wants to know about dressing appropriately for a warm ship with potentially cold outside decks. Does one layer? Yes. Is there any umbrella protocol? This is a fantastic question, one that we had top of mind for months yeah. leading up to this. How do I pack and how do I dress? And so now having done it, I think I have some solid advice. So yes, one does layer, but that means something very specific. Because uh, people have always said, oh, layer, layer. I, 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 maybe it's my inexperience, but I wasn't sure what that meant. Because that could mean thermal underwear, long pants, sweater, you know, or sh long sleeve shirt, sweater, jacket, etc., etc. And it's not exactly like that. No. The kind of layering you want to do is the kind of layering that you can peel off quickly. Yes. Because you will experience temp temperature fluctuations throughout the trip, even from moment to moment, where, like, I was perpetually wondering if I was running a fever. Because uh, the last time I had felt such rapid temperature fluctuations was when I was unwell. Mm -hmm. And so, um, not the thermal underwear. I don't recommend that. I don't recommend a scarf. I don't think that's worthwhile. But having a, a regular t-shirt, a, a, a sort of a zip-up uh, fleece thing yep. that's a full zip so you can unzip it in an instant and then maybe a serious jacket on top of that something that's maybe weatherproof I, I, I may do with my leather jacket and a hood but if you have like Gore-Tex whatever and then just you know constantly be adjusting and a toque is a very good idea because you do experience high winds and so if you want to cover your head the hood will get blown right off and it won't work very well whereas the toque if it's you know if it's good fit it'll be snug to your head and you can also put other things on top of that so uh yeah it can go from very warm to very cold very rapidly uh, oddly the, the the husky um hat that julian was mentioning earlier uh, one of being rather practical because it has um, these little balls at the end because it's got this ear flap thing right and they have these little palms at the end um, and you can actually tie them up together so it, it was a, actually it was a really good wind buffer because um, I had my ears covered and I was able to kind of duck into the into the wind quite well but yeah definitely what Ray says um, you know some gloves if you want some um, if you want to use your phone and take photos and whatnot so you want something that's a, a touch touch screen friendly gloves the ones I had were useless so get you know invest in some more better than you know one size fits all sort of stuff um i actually got a bit of a sunburn in skagway because it got super crazy hot and sunny um and um and i packed shorts just wishful thinking and there's a number of times in skagway when we were sitting in the training deck i was like i wonder if i should actually go change into these and there were people that were walking around that day in shorts um on on serenity and whatnot so yeah it, be kind of prepared for all eventualities 
we were really fortunate we didn't really have much in the way of rain so the umbrella protocol was not really something we encountered and when it did rain it wasn't something super serious that an umbrella was really needed most people just kind of wore like a so yeah you know your outer layer just have like a, a waterproof jacket and you should be covered and literally yeah and honestly even when it was raining i didn't see umbrellas on the ship at all partly because there's a wind factor yeah and on lido you can still there's a lot of windows you can see out of and if you have an ocean view cabin like we do or a balcony cabin or you know other parts of the ship again deck two things like mm -hmm. that uh there's a lot of window opportunities from the inside of the ship that yeah. you don't need to go outside and pouring rain for so no one at any point opened an umbrella on the ship that i saw at Not all saw um because they would just basically either they'll they have a hood and they'll just you know fortify through it or they'll go run indoors uh those were sort of what people were doing so um yeah there i would say they do bring an umbrella particularly if you end up in the port and it, and it ends up raining there but don't expect to be using it on the ship at all i don't think it would be practical because yeah there would also be crowds and wind and and yeah like i mean that. there was a no there were a number of times where we were tacking into 50 plus mile an hour winds um there's no way you're gonna hold on to umbrella uh and like there were there were people that fell down from the wind um uh, because it was fairly intense and there was a couple times where i myself who at you know 270 pounds was struggling to stay upright in the wind um uh, because it got pretty it was fun uh but it was it was really intense um I, w I was knocked i was knocked back a step by the wind a couple times myself yeah. so it's uh it's uh it's really quite striking so two separate people marla and tamara both asked us about the pool temperature uh so yeah the hot tubs are still heated and so we did see people in the hot tubs um not a lot but mm -hmm. intermittently in all different weather time of day etc mm -hmm. different locales so the hot tubs are available and there's one in the gym uh so if you want completely interior mm -hmm. there's one on the part of the deck where there is no roof and then there's one with that roof that covers like 80 90 percent of of the top so th there's those options in terms of the pool water um we're not that brave nope. um they were running the water slides pretty much non-stop standard hours so not in the middle of the night but the water was running throughout the day mm -hmm. i don't know if that was to keep things from freezing i don't know that it got cold enough for that to no, be a factor because so. i never saw ice on the ship anywhere oh there was that one day though the second day at sea where that was intensely uh, uh endicott did you but did you see any did you see anything actually freeze on the ship was there ice no on the just ship? that day felt like there were things cold enough to freeze yeah i mean that was i think it was a wind chill factor yeah. because if the boat is going 20 knots forward and then you've got another 40 kph wind coming at you the the relative velocity that mul that adds to each other for the the feel of the wind yeah. uh plus the lower temperature in terms of the pool i did stick my hand in a couple of times <laughs> um and it seemed to be sort of a regular temperature i i don't know that it was particularly heated um but it didn't seem to be completely freezing either uh but we're just not gonna Which try means? it uh honestly i wonder if you went up there uh to do the water slide when you were you know in glacier bay would the staff let you i don't know because there were staff up there but they seem to be using it as their viewpoint as a crow's nest for them to take pictures and look at things which is which is nice it's charming i've got no problem with that i didn't see anyone go on a water slide once this trip well, i wasn't going to be the guy we had some staff when we were coming down uh from the on the tram in juno and they were talking about the slides and they were basically saying like they weren't open they're running but they're not open it's just keep the water yeah. flowing probably yeah, keep so. the equipment yeah that makes sense they're probably not really open to the public so hot tubs is fine but the regular pool I don't know that I ever saw anyone in the regular pool. Um, again, someone on the Facebook group, um, they were on there on uh, during the Ketchikan, I think it was. Oddly, the further north, or actually on uh, Glacier Bay Day. So for, oddly, the further north we went, the warmer it got. And so those, those two days would have been the most ideal to go um, to the pool. Um, but um, 
I didn't. And, and now that we're going south, it's getting colder. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. No. But we can tell you, we know when we go to Alaska, uh, Hawaii. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's that's it for uh, Q and A time. So just sort of a uh, uh, general thoughts about the the trip. Um, so we left out of Vancouver, and this was our first time leaving our home port. And so Vancouver as a port for Carnival Ship is organized in a somewhat unusual way. Now we're we, you know I've made platinum these I've been platinum the last two sailings, and so I have priority uh, boarding. But that means almost nothing in Vancouver. Yeah. For one thing, you have to pass through security prior to checking in. And that is fine. It's not that unusual, but it's more than just security. It's customs as well. And it's for all the ships that are there. Multiple cruise lines go through the same customs lineup first. And it's very elaborate. There's it's long. Um, it's quite a wait. The process took like an hour at least, I think. We were there for an hour and 20 minutes. I timed it. Yeah, an hour and 20 minutes. Um, and so it, there's these snaking lineups all over the place where they're selling you binoculars. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and you know, then you go up some stairs and you think, all right, I'm ready to get checked in. You go down a long hot hallway and then you're seated in rows. Uh, which is, you know, to try and give you a break uh, from standing. Which we appreciate. Yeah. Um, and then and then the rows get up in the order that you were in line before. And then you go to another waiting area. You eventually get through uh, the security and customs check. And only then do you get a chance to actually go to your individual cruise line and check in. And only at that point does the, the uh, priority boarding uh, work. So... The, we cut we cut a little bit of a line. We bypassed a, a little bit of a line at the check-in, but not a substantial one. So the conclusion here is, if you're sailing out of Vancouver, do not bother with Faster to the Fun. I no. don't think that would be worth the money. No. Um, especially if you're going to Alaska, there's no tendered ports, so there's no priority tendering. Uh, faster to the Fun, just for an Alaskan cruise out of Vancouver, does not seem worth the money. We highly recommend you don't waste the money on that. Don't. Yeah, because we were, I mean, there was only one other cruise line that was sailing out with us, so Holland, and and that was insane. How the, the, I mean, the lineup moved relatively quickly, but at the same time, when you have two cruise ships, uh, you know, each being able to support thousands of people, that, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, we were only in the lineup for an hour and 20 minutes, but when you factor that in, so it did move fairly quickly, but it was still, it was insane. Like, I can't imagine, like, if when, when cruise season really, really picks up, how much worse it's going to be. Now, it's not a fault of Holland or Prince uh, or Carnival Princess or any of the cruise lines. This is the way the Port of Vancouver has it set up, um, and the way the, well, the U.S. Customs and Border Guards have it set up. Um, so it's, I mean, uh, that's not really something that the cruise lines have any control over. Um, I know, again, Facebook group, a lot of people were complaining about it and basically kind of laying that on Carnival's feet, but that's just, it's not they fair to lay it on. They, they had nothing. Um, and Carnival only sails out of Vancouver a couple times a year, like four times a year at max. And so they have a very per they have a very temporary uh, setup, whereas Holland, they have a more permanent setup from what I would assume because they sail more frequently. Um, and, you know, places like Celebrity Princess, Norwegian, they sail more frequently out of Vancouver. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was annoying. But it, uh, again, though, I mean, it was one of those things that, like it was annoying in the time. But once we got over it, like once we got through it, I got over it. So it's just a matter of, you know, how much do you want to allow that stuff to affect your your enjoyment of it, really. 
Um, like I've, I, I literally forgot about it until you just mentioned it. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, it, it, it saps that hour and 20 minutes from you, but you're the one who decides if it saps days out of you by, yeah, by exactly. bothering you to that degree. Exactly. Um, one other uh, tip, if you're going to, it's called Canada Place is the cruise terminal in Vancouver and the signage when you arrive isn't very good. I'm used to Miami and other places where there'll be bright carnival branded colored signs that, you know, point you, Hey, check in this way priority check in that would like something yeah. there's nothing that early on in fact pretty much nothing carnival branded until once you get past that hour and 20 minutes through security yeah. and customs so if you're looking at canada place on the right hand side there is a ramp that looks like it's going to parking that is where the pedestrian traffic is supposed to go down next to the roadway uh, that takes you where you need to be but it is not well marked by any means so that's sort of another a tip if you're sailing out of uh, vancouver when you show up, you get out of the cab or the bus, whatever you take to get there, on the right-hand side, go down the ramp because no one will tell you. There's no staff out there that to none. indicate. Yeah. So that's unfortunate, but you do sail underneath the Lionsgate Bridge uh, by Stanley mm -hmm. Park, so that was very lovely. Um, and uh, so Yeah, it's beautiful, actually. It's, it's insane how beautiful it is, especially because it's like sunset, pretty much. Or the, dusk was starting to happen when we were going through, so it's it amazing. Yeah. Uh, so some other things that are unique to an Alaskan cruise, it would seem, is you have a naturalist on board. <laughs> In our case, and I want to get this accurate, it's Nancy the naturalist. I call her Natalie the naturalist. For reasons passing understanding. So this is somebody who's on the ship throughout the entire cruise, and they are on the bridge watching for wildlife. So if they see an interesting eagle or a set of birds or something in the water or a bear on the land, then they hop on the, the intercom. But the intercom isn't everywhere because there are certain regulations. Um, I thought that it might have been about avalanches, but it's actually about the calm preservation of the natural park. Yep. So they're not allowed to make shipwide announcements through a lot of the places that you're going to sail to so some of it will be interior only uh, if you have a, your TV tuned in your cabin to a particular channel you'll also hear it through there um, but this was a bit of a cat and mouse game uh, and I don't blame the naturalist it's the nature of the beast yeah. if, if you're coming to Alaska because you're gonna see a whale you might, but there's no guarantees, and they're doing their best. But they say, oh, you know, oh, port side, we just saw, you know, a fin. And everybody runs over, and then you watch for 20 minutes, and you don't see anything, you know, or maybe you do. Uh, and so, you know, the naturalist tries to provide some sort of context. Now, uh, there's the next layer up from the naturalist is that in Glacier Bay, um, the, uh, the you get the you get a couple rangers come on that's board really cool. so that's where you get their ship comes up and does something apparently called a controlled collision where they just come alongside similar to a pilot ship transfer yeah so i'm not i'm not sure why uh, it, it's much more special than that but you get a couple rangers on board they're uniformed with hats and everything and they're making announcements um that uh, they're a bit more informed they're a bit more polished a little bit more poetic honestly yeah i don't know if they were pre pre-scripted stuff or this is just honestly how the rangers think and feel about the things they're exploring but they're showing you like telling you about the glaciers and and you, you i find you learn a lot more from the rangers yeah and uh, they are sometimes available for you to go up and ask a question we didn't avail ourselves of that because we didn't really have much in the way of questions because they answer the questions fairly well yeah in in the information that they present so uh so that was kind of a nice thing that uh, i i saw hints about it on the internet before we went uh so i think that's one thing that's not really made abundantly clear in the information in the marketing about alaska cruises is there the rangers really um put it in some good context if yeah. they hadn't been there um i don't think it would have been as rich an experience no i definitely agree with that and i mean really it's it's 
parts of you sometimes will kind of go throughout the cruise going, why am I going on this cruise? Why am I sailing to Alaska? I'm still um, wondering. It was a good time, don't get me wrong. I just... But then, but then you get to see some calving glaciers if you're lucky. Um, you get to just sit there and just be in awe of the majesty of the glacier and you're just like, okay, this is why I'm here. As you try um, not to freeze. As you try not to freeze. Um, but yeah, no, Natalie the Naturalist, she was fun. Um, in my head, she is from Wisconsin, even though she's totally not. Um, so with the second sea day or something like that, she's like, yeah, so uh, if you look over at the uh, port side there, there's some uh, debris, yeah. And if you look real hard, you can uh, you can see some uh, sea lions just playing around on that debris. Yeah, that's pretty uh, it's pretty neat if you uh, look over. It's on your three o'clock there, yeah. Uh, so everyone did that. As everyone ran over port side and everyone's looking, everyone's looking. No one sees any debris, let alone the seals. Um, and so there's there's a little bit of that. And again, it's not really her fault, but I'm telling you, I swear to God, there's times where she was looking through these super crazy high power binoculars and they was like 90 miles off the you know off the ship. So you know, no one with eyes can actually see that. So it was uh, you know, there's a couple of times where people are like, oh hey, did you see the the seals? I'm like, I haven't seen the debris, so I've not seen the seals. Or people are like, oh, you know, you know, have, what have you seen? I'm like, whatever is available to be seen is on the other side of where I'm at. Um, I, but I mean, we got to see some stuff. Like we got to see um, a little bit of a fin whale, um, and and that was the only whale I saw. Um, and uh, which you know, yeah, of course. I mean, I was hoping to see you know more of a fin whale. I was hoping to see a humpback. Um, uh, and apparently, some people did actually see some humpback. Um, um, you know, and it, with the marine life, I was really hoping to see more of. Um, but we did, you know, get some seals and some sea otters and whatnot. And that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, not only the naturals was she was fun times. <laughs> I think you just missed Butch because I think he had that accent from the, yeah. <laughs> the cruise director from our breeze trip, who has since ascended into the higher executive levels of Carnival, never to be Butch. seen by as common folk ever again. But I have it from good authority when I was on the when I was on the breeze. Uh, um, last year uh he is still alive and he's he's just working in an office so hey as long as he's happy yeah uh we do need to give you some potentially breaking news about carnival and uh change that they're making we had re previously reported that the future cruise desk was going away from i think three or four different fantasy class vessels and we had speculated that that was because of maybe some classist analysis thinking that oh they you know they're not making enough future bookings i don't think that's what it was this appears that it was a pilot project because this is the last sailing where the carnival legend will have a future cruise desk yeah. they are getting away give, just doing away with that whole thing there's going to be no future cruise presentations those are the presentations that would tell you where's the smartest place to stay on the ship, uh, for example. Uh, so thankfully, you've got Vacation Impossible here to hopefully fill that knowledge gap for you, because between Sam and I and, and others, we've, we've attended that presentation enough times, we can probably give it to you. Um, so like one simple thing is the most stable part of the ship is midships in the middle. That's yeah. one little taste uh, of that. But to get back to what they're doing is they're getting rid of that whole program. And so we were asking the future cruise desk person why they were doing this. And she basically said it was to save money. It is a cost saving measure. There was there was there was no, you know, uh, euphemisms, no excuses. It was just we're, we need to make more money and this is how we're doing it. So, I mean, at least they're straightforward and honest yeah, about that. Yeah, pushing the candor for sure. But, and, and she did say, she said, look, if you're uh, on a cruise and you're booking your next cruise, you're going to book whether we're here or not, whether you're getting this benefit. And that's the thing, the benefit's going away. Depending on the duration of the cruise, you used to get onboard credit of certain amounts, beginning at $50, sometimes 100 for longer, sometimes all the way up to 200 I think if it's like a 14-day sail or longer. Yeah. 
Um, so they're flatlining that to $50. Now this was always a per cabin amount, not a per person amount. Um, so now it's $50 per cabin and you have to book it at the excursion desk yeah. because there will be no presentation and no dedicated desk or dedicated person. The staff, the loyalty experts are being rolled into the excursion desk. So they're not being let go. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good thing at least without, you know, hopefully no job losses, uh, with carnival for this change. But, um, it means that the information is less opaque. You're not going to be able to find out, you know, why would I stay at the front or the back of the ship? For the record, the back, you feel the engine noise. The front, you feel the waves more. That's how that works. Um, you know, they give you tips about when is a good time to cruise. For the record, any time that children are in school is cheaper than when they're not in school. That uh, That's how you tell peak and off-peak season. It's that simple. Um, but those sorts of things, you know, they tell you about upcoming um, things that Carnival has in development. All that's going to go away. You're going to have to find that information somewhere else. You can find us on YouTube and listen to this podcast. We'll keep you abreast of everything we learn. But it's um, it's it's unfortunate that, that that's the way that they're going. And it's going fleet-wide. It's not just this ship or the ones we reported. You know, future cruise desks, we hardly knew ye. You know, and again, I mean, from a future, from a business standpoint, it makes sense. I mean, they like she said, you're already going to get your money. Why give away money? And, um, I mean, again, I totally appreciate her, can her candor on that yes. one. Um, uh, I think we, we kind of connected as being fellow Vancouverites. So I don't know that she necessarily would have been as candid um, had we not kind of had that little connection there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's and it, I mean, and that makes perfect sense. Um, but um, there was a senior couple that we were talking to, cute old couple, um, and the, 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 the elder, the, the husband, he was like this total daredevil, reformed daredevil, and he was telling us amazing, cool stories, but I'm he, not getting off track here. He went skydiving. That's That was the beginning no, of and, and yeah, what, we, was the beginning what we knew of it. about it. Yeah. And then it like, turned out he went like combat flying and like aerial acrobats and all that sort of stuff. I was like, oh my God, you're the coolest guy ever. And yet um, not that comfortable using the internet. No. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. And because they, they, they were the ones that told us, hey, they're getting rid of, they're completely getting rid of the future cruise desk. Um, and, you know, they asked, well, how are we supposed to book our future cruises now? And they said, well, through the internet. And they're like, we don't even know what a computer looks like. Um, so this isn't going to work for us. Um, and these were diamond cruisers. Um, or, you know, because I think that, well, we're very least, very much platinum level cruises, approaching diamond level cruises because they'd gone on 20 plus cruises so far. Um, and so you know they're they're feeling like it's kind of alienating the senior community which is not i mean i, I mean obviously that's not what they're trying to do but i can understand why seniors who are not as technological you know seniors who are not as technologically adept w would feel that way i completely understand that um so that is unfortunate um and i and i hope that more will be done i guess to help at very least with that you know demographic of their customer base which is a major demographic of their customer base so but um and you can yeah. still book by phone yeah and i think that what this couple didn't know because we had yet to have the conversation yeah. uh with the the you know the the future cruise desk is that you will be able to do it at the excursion desk so yeah. you will still be able to book on board a ship going forward yeah. um but it just won't be that obvious clearly well, and they may not necessarily know as much about the ship, um, too. So, like with with Valeria, the girl who's signing us up, um, you know, she had the you know the book of all the different ships and the layouts and whatnot, and she's like, you know, these are the cabins that are the best for you. These are the ones that have the occupancy that you need. Uh, we went with an obstructive view for uh, we booked a sailing for next year, um, and she's like, this is an obstructive view, but there's a little bit of a gap there, so you're gonna want that one because you have a little bit more. And so, that's information that people who are at Shorex may not necessarily be as as familiar with. We don't know, but maybe. They're still going to, because there's going to be some future cruise sex people there, 
maybe for them they'll know I, i'm not sure so we'll, we'll see that um again it's a it's a business move that makes sense but not exactly what i'm cheering for yeah so i mean well that left a bit of a sour taste in our mouth uh <laughs> i just uh came back from the uh the platinum and diamond party uh it's my first ever this is my second sailing as a platinum uh a vifp member and um the previous one was only four days, and so they don't do the party on on sailings that are four days or fewer. So this was my first time going, and it was uh, it was cool. It was awesome. Like this was. I did not. Um, for one thing, uh, I went like maybe five minutes before it was supposed to start. That's when I started walking there, and so there was a lot of there was a big crowd, long lines waiting to get in, and so uh, I'm beginning to appreciate, and this is hopefully not just because I'm platinum, I'm saying this why they. Uh, started excluding gold from that in a restructure they did a little what, right after I made gold. Mm-hmm. I was getting ready for my first party, and then they said gold's no more. Um, but it was in the comedy club, and it it was full. There was, uh, I mean, it wasn't standing room only. There was a couple seats, you know, but it was it was full. There was, uh, and and there was some serious lineups to get in, and so um, it's definitely very popular. There's there's quite a few, and maybe it's because this is a, a rare sailing that there's more diamond and platinums. The cruise director did remark that this had a higher percentage than usual uh, of sort of the, the more senior cruisers, so uh, that's probably a factor. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. Like once you get in, there's a bunch of waiters walking around and they've got a selection of drinks on their, on their, uh, platters and the drinks are included. And so they'll just hand you stuff or you can ask, uh, as a rule of thumb of etiquette for this, I I picked up on this very quickly was that if you don't want what they have and you would want to request a specific drink, that's fine. You still don't have to pay for it, but you should probably tip them a minimum of $2 for having to go to that extra effort while they're trying to get free drinks to everyone else. So that's a pro tip. If you want your, you know, vodka soda or something, which the person next to me wanted uh, and they didn't have, uh, it's fine. You can ask for it, but, uh, you know, $2 tip to the waiter for, for making that extra effort would sort of be the protocol. So they're walking around with a lot of hors d'oeuvres and stuff, and these are things that are not available anywhere else without paying. They had sushi. Um, they had a bunch of uh, different stuff. They had, um, it was like a quiche um, that was, uh, they called it a shrimp tart, but it's kind of like a quiche. I had a lot of those. It was really good. <laughs> the drinks were strong, too. I had a few of those, so this, this could be the, the mildly buzzed podcast. Um and uh, they had rice cakes, but I, I that had wasabi on top, and they were super dry, so I, I didn't really enjoy the rice cakes very much. But it was cool. So they have um, some contests that they were running for the people who were there. For one thing, they, they look up their records of the people on the ship, and so they gave a plaque to someone who had sailed the most days on the ship. And in this case, it was well, it was, I've got it here, it was 648 days uh, wow. Uh, was the longest cruiser. Her name was Susan. She was from New York. She had taken 80 cruises. This was her 80th cruise. Wow. Um, and um, I think she was maybe in her, I don't know, late 40s, early 50s. Like really? She, we, we were speculating at the back, uh, sitting next to some other people who had the exact same number of sea days I have, by the way. Bizarre coincidence. And we were kind of speculating. Like, she was, her parents took her. Because, yeah, <laughs> to. like, how else could you make that work in that amount That's of time? two years worth of sailing, nearly. Uh, it's and you said what was it is three times diamond yeah because diamond is two hundred days so um, but we you know you learn interesting stuff like apparently the legend has circumnavigated more of the planet more times than any other ship in the carnival fleet uh, cool. it's gone the furthest south than any other ship in the carnival fleet for example and uh, the captain that's on her now has been on her since uh, I think twenty fourteen or something. Uh-huh. 
He'll be on her again in September when we're back. He'll be on her again a year from now when they start up Alaska again. He loves this ship. Totally aside, uh, this is really cool. So Skagway has this really, really neat thing um, where uh, at at the birth where you're, you know, docked, they have all these rocks that are painted um, and it's a whole bunch of different um, cruise lines, uh, low emblems and whatnot, and it's captains that have retired. And this would be like, the, I guess, the retirement sailing. Um, and so they've written like the, the years they've been sailing on that ship and whatnot. Oh, it's so neat. Not so. Oh! It is not necessarily their retirement. There are ones that are retirement, and they will say retirement. But it is also for captains who are perhaps making their first or final voyage there because our captain's name was apparently up there because he went there on a previous carnival ship to the legend years and years ago. And so when he got up there, people were applauding. He says, yes, you may have seen my name on the rocks. No way! So uh, he's he, he has already been sort of, you know, lionized. Memorialized, or, you yeah. Know, on, on that. And so... That's cool. Yeah, and, and he mentioned... And, he, and, and the look of pride on his face when he says, like, his name is on one of those rocks. Like, it was... Yeah, no, it, it, was, it clearly means something to him. I, I, I took some video of it, so hopefully I'll get a decent still that we can maybe put up or something like that. But it was it was super neat. Initially, when you, when you don't first... No, don't really notice what's going on first, you're kind of like... Uh, what's this like i used to live in a small town where uh which i love um that has um you know they had this rock face and what uh, high school grads would put their high school year um and they'd kind of do this it was grad rock basically um so i thought this was kind of the same thing i'm like there's way too many um way too many names there because gag was little um and so initially i was kind of like oh what is this this is kind of dumb um, but then when I actually realized what was going on, I was like, this is so cool. So that was a really neat, really neat thing about Skagway that I really recommend. At very least, get off the ship so you can look at that. That's really cool. Yeah, and and it's 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 great that they take pride in it. Like yeah. the captain was also taking pride in like the times he's navigated through the Panama Canal uh-huh. uh, and and things of that nature. So that was kind of cool. Other stuff that happened at the party is there's a bag of candy and you go up and you guess how many, you know, candies are in the bag. And if so, you win the bag. Uh, For the record, it was 133. The winning guess was 132. (laughs) It will probably vary from ship to ship and party to party if they know what they're doing. If not, I'll remember this for next time. (laughs) And um, they had some other stuff where they put up five ships, but they had scrubbed the names. And so you had to guess which what their names were. Uh, they also had five rank insignia that you had to guess mm-hmm. what they were. And we're not just talking that's a lieutenant and that's a commander and that's the captain. It was like, that's the head of guest services. That's the ship's doctor. Like, it was, and it, they had five up there. The person who won got all five correct. Oh, and they wow. were the, But they were the only one to do so. Um, they also recognized the youngest platinum person in the room. In this case, it was a 15-year-old. But there was somebody who was easily younger than, like, eight there. So maybe it's possible the parents can bring their kids, even if the kid's not platinum. I don't know. That's I'm just saying what I observed. I'm not saying what's I was very allowed. attentive to crash the party. I did not crash the party. <laughs> I'm only gold. Um, there is a um, an assistance pet dog. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Sarge. Assist- Sarge. And so S- Sarge the dog <laughs> made platinum on this. Uh, no, sorry. Made diamond right. on this sailing. Convert from platinum to diamond on this sailing. So that's over 200 sea days for Sarge the dog. Sarge the dog had some other interesting things. Um, he apparently was the uh, U.S. Working Dog of the Year, and I believe it was 2015, yeah. beat out 8,000 other dogs for that. And so he was recognized at the event. That was... He has this, he, his uh, his service vest that he wears uh, to indicate that he's a working dog. It is really, really neat um, because he's a, he was an army dog. Um, and so there's a lot of... Um, I don't know what was... I couldn't actually go... Because, I mean, he's a working dog, so I wasn't about to go approach the person. 
um, and generally, I mean, making assumptions, generally service dogs for, for former enlisted people, for former service people, it's usually as a result of PTSD. So, you know, not going to come up to a dude who's got PTSD and be like, let me talk, tell me everything you know about your dog. Like, that's not really, that's not really sensitive. Uh, but yeah, he had this really, really cool uh, vest on him. Uh, it looked really like a want. bandolier because it, it had all these different sort of holes that you could probably put things in, mm-hmm. which was interesting. But given that the dog's name is Sarge, I think that means army. Because yeah. that would be an army rank yeah. sergeant. Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of what my fellow newly minted platinum people were speculating at yeah, the party. Yeah. Uh, and one funny part was the cruise director gets up and says, Who's here? who here is on their first cruise? And two people put up their hands. Oh, <laughs> one of them got kicked out. Uh, the other one, the guy was like 80 and he was there with like a diamond guy or something. So they just kind of let him stay. But <laughs> I was walking behind them coming back to the cabin. And so like the diamond guy turns to the blue card. He's just like, you idiot. When they ask, don't put up your hand. That was stupid. Don't don't ever do something like that again. <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, I guess it was a bit of a trap. I didn't realize. He's <laughs> so, so that happy. Was, that, was, that was, yeah. Because they were like, yeah, you know, because they were like, oh, who are the platinums cheer? Oh, who are the diamonds cheer? Oh, who's your first cruise? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was pretty funny, but no, the, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit and I'm looking forward to uh, doing that again. So, and, and they talked a lot about how like, um, you know, how, how they value the, the, the loyalty, you know, but it, it was, I, I can't repeat it very well because I had several drinks while I was there. Don't know if I mentioned, um, but it was uh, it was it was really sincere talking about how th- they were saying like we're some of their best brand ambassadors and things like that. But it wasn't in corporate speak. It was obviously sincerely like, you know, like the walking in the cruise director was at, at the line and was hugging random people that they recognized. That's cool. Uh, from previous sailings and stuff. So was Cookie there? No, but oh. like the entire officer corps was basically there. Oh wow. That's cool. That's <laughs> um, cool. So yeah, that was that was pretty cool, and um, yeah, so that's uh, that is definitely a perk worth uh, earning your way into because it's uh, it was it was quite nice. Uh, one thing, if you are platinum and you're going for your first time, know how many ships you've been on, because the people that won various things, even if it was the candy, they said, "Come on up," and they didn't say how many cruises, they didn't say how many sail days or what level are you. They said, "How many ships have you been on?" And I would have I would have had to sit and think about it. So I'm glad I didn't win. Uh, so know that number before you go, because <laughs> they, they they could put you in front of people and ask. Um, but it, one thing that eight. <laughs> one thing that was funny is they they actually have a scroll of all the different carnival ships going back to I think the Carnival. Oh wow! Uh, and the Mardi Gras, and so uh, they say clap when you see a ship that you've been on. And so that was kind of cool. People shouting out the different ships that they had been on and stuff like that. That was that was kind of fun. So so I, uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. There was something that I wanted to talk about. There was um. Again, the Facebook group. Um, they there's a lot of discussion about just what to pack in general, um, and and how much to pack and all that sort of stuff. And I'm noticing that there's people there that were packing like their entire bathroom, um, and like because they're talking about like different ways to kind of you know increase their storage option as much as possible. Because they're having like over the door hangers to store all their bathroom necessities. Um, and they'd have, you know, and they, they would be stunned at the idea that we can be on an eight day sale and just have carry on luggage and like an, a supplementary backpack or a duffel bag like I have. Um, and they just, it seems sort of flabbergasted. And, and to me, I, I conversely am flabbergasted that they would pack so much. So I think one of the things to consider, like to remember is that you really don't actually need um, an outfit per day. Uh, the undergarments, yeah, you want one per day and whatnot. And that obviously that makes sense. But, you know, things like, you know, pants, you can you know, pack, pack two, three pairs of pants and you're solid. Pack a few t-shirts. And, and like, it's 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 stunning to me how much people overpack. Like, even myself, I packed more than I needed. 
Um, and I packed a carry-on and a duffel bag. Um, and granted, it was a sizable duffel bag, and I had both of them full to bursting, but that, that's all I packed. Um, and, and like carrying your entire bathroom is super unnecessary. Like for me, I have little travel size things of uh, shampoo and conditioner because I have, you know, fashion colored hair. And so, and, and they, the carnival doesn't supply conditioner and they have like the two in one, two in one stuff, which is, just kills my hair. So I bring my own shampoo and conditioner. I would recommend bringing a little bit of lotion because some of the air here is really dry. Um, yeah, but... that was, that was weird. Um, I think they shut off the air conditioning because we're in Alaska. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you would think that like the air conditioning would dry you out, but it seems to have the opposite effect where the room feels very dry. Yeah. Uh, the dust seems to accumulate a lot faster. I have my solar charger in the window and every couple of days I like, there would be dust that I would need yeah. to take off. I mean, obviously they're turning over the linens and fresh linens and laundry and everything, but uh, yeah, I was having like intermittent nosebleed a little bit here yeah, and there. Nothing indeed. serious, but uh, it is surprisingly dry when you take a cruise to Alaska. But it's really, it's super not necessary to pack you know, there's some people that are packing, yeah, like a pair of pants per day, a t-shirt or two or three per day, because you, you never know what you're going to want to wear. You really, really don't need to pack to that excessive level, um, especially if you're flying, because you then you have to, and then if you have connections, then you have to worry about whether or not your, your checked luggage is going to make connections. You have to pay extra for the checked luggage uh, and all that sort of stuff. Um, if you are someone who's platinum um, or diamond or whatever, obviously you probably are a little bit more travel savvy um and also you have the option of taking advantage of the free laundry services um use those i mean we we took that we took that for granted or took advantage of that we used it twice this trip around and it's been very beneficial for us um and so that really limits your limits your need to pack so much if you want to pay for that service you can i think it's like 15 dollars per bag um, per bag um and you can get a decent amount of stuff in that bag too just be um, careful because it rips it, it's, it's, a paper, a paper it's a paper bag. bag and it's a thin paper bag but uh, but if, if you do it right you can actually get a fairly uh sizable haul in there not like a full load of laundry but you know if you want to just you know wash a t-shirt that you know you really want to wear you know a day from now you can do that um it, it is usually about a 24 hour turnaround time unless you pay for express service um so there's that to consider but like for myself like i we had two elegant nights so i packed two dresses um i could have gone away with one um um i didn't you know uh, uh, two pairs of pants three pairs of pants uh, which was probably one pair more than i needed um shorts i didn't need at all um so that was a whole bunch of stuff that just took up room unnecessarily and like and people bringing like their entire makeup cabinet with them you really don't need that um yeah really i mean you don't need to wear makeup um i mean that's a personal thing i mean i wore it on the elegant nights and so i just i did i didn't pack i mean i packed a lot but i didn't pack like my entire makeup uh, my, my entire makeup collection so i i, I definitely want to talk about that more um uh, what my husband used to do um I don't know if you still do that is uh, like when you come back from like uh, uh, Vegas and stuff like that you do on his flight back you do a debrief on all the different because he has his packing list yeah. really good Excel spreadsheet which I really recommend you do um, and okay what did I you know and what did I bring what did I not need to bring what did I forget to bring that sort of stuff um, and so that by the time you know if you've gone enough times you have exactly what you need and you don't pack anything in excess you have room for bringing over souvenirs if you want to do that um, and then you have TSA agents looking at your suitcase going I can believe that the suitcase is that well packed <laughs> uh, so, um, and yeah. I think I think for this trip, the packing advice I have for going to Alaska: do not pack a sweater. It's counterintuitive. Don't bring a sweater because yeah. you can't peel it off quickly yeah. uh, or well. Uh, don't pack a scarf; you won't really need it. No. Um, and don't pack shorts. Do <laughs> yeah, don't pack swimming trunks or shorts or swimsuit. You won't need it. 
Um, but, you know, do pack, oddly, uh, regular t-shirts. I, I didn't pack very many because I thought that it would be too cold. But it's part of the layering, mm -hmm. the, the quick-release layering you want to do. Um, and for my, if you're someone who's a gym goer, um, what I would recommend doing is if you're going to pack gym clothes, uh, wear gym clothes that are polyester. Um, so that way you can wash them uh, in the sink or in the shower or whatever, um, and they'll dry off fairly quickly. They'll dry off the next day by the time it's time for you to go for the next gym day. So um, like that's what I did for myself. Because, um, I mean, if you can wear anything that's cotton, it's going to take a lot longer to dry. You're not going to have enough time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, we, we pack way too much, uh, uh, people and stop that. Um, just because it just, you, it's, it's a pain to kind of circumnavigate around you guys and you're bringing people, you need like porters to bring all your stuff. Like there was, um, unfortunately, uh, each stop, um, uh, on this cruise, uh, the ambulance had to come by, um, and, and yeah, and, and each stop my family had to leave the, the ship, the sailing, um, because a family member of theirs had to go to the hospital and long enough that they weren't going to be able to reconnect with the ship. Um, and there's one family where there's like three or four or five people that got off and they needed basically two porters to take all of their luggage with them. I was like, why do you have so much stuff? Like now you have to deal with all that stuff that you have to lug with you. I mean, yes, but I mean, it's one of those things that you want to factor in where case scenario, God forbid something happened to you and now you have to carry five pieces of luggage with you or one person, two people. Like that's ridiculous. Don't do that. Portability is really important. Um, I was at the, the, the member party thing and there was someone there who was complaining that they didn't get enough zone one luggage tags for all 10 pieces of their checked luggage for their Shut cabin. Shut up! Yeah, I don't even like, you must have a suite to be able to put to fit 10 pieces of luggage into Shut a cabin. Shut the front door. It's, it's it's mind-boggling, but it's like, and there's a lot of stuff you can bring that can serve multiple purposes. Like, I bring my Surface 3, mm -hmm. which serves as my ability to record this podcast through my microphone, which admittedly most people probably wouldn't need to bring a microphone, but my tablet is great because I can bring shows and movies on it for entertainment. I can keep track of things. I can put my packing list or maps or other information onto it. Uh, I can play games. Also, I can listen to music, download and listen to a podcast, all that sort of stuff, and it's one device. I don't need to also bring a laptop i don't also need to not that they use them anywhere bring a pda like there's that and also your smartphone serves a lot of those purposes as well so maybe you just need the phone part of part of the sort of the electronic packing thing to consider is you only have one plug in the room yeah so uh and even if you bring a solar charger it has limited effectiveness it yeah. helps but it just supplements it it's not like a whole other plug that's juiced all the time and so you're not supposed to be bringing a power bar with you i mean you kind of can but kind of can the rules are a little bit vague on that yeah consult carnival directly for that don't get it from a third party source is my advice make sure you know before you go but um, it's just people tend to bring more than they need. For example, I brought my 3DS this trip and I haven't touched it once. That was an unnecessary thing. So, you know, even someone who has this is my 15th cruise, I'm still bringing stuff that I don't need. Uh, mm -hmm. Admittedly, Alaska is a little bit different, a little new to me. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's a thing where you, you, you can refine from every trip. And so these people who have things that they hang off the door with the bug spray and deodorant and bleach and detergent and all these different sort of things it's it, it seems to go a little bit far and if you know if you're bringing something along on 10 cruises taking up space that you may need on one that costs you three dollars if you can hit the hardware store in skagway then that three dollars is not poorly spent that three dollars bought you not having to lug around that weight and gaining that space yeah. on those 14 other trips where you're not going to need it so yeah there's the i might need it but there is also the fun shops if you're in desperate need yes it costs more money but again if it's one out of every 10 cruises you use it then that inflated cost you're still kind of coming out ahead yeah. when you factor in all that extra effort 
And like people who like bring on their own water bottles. I mean, you're going to have, I mean, if you're gold level, you're going to have water bottles provided. Just fill them up yourself. Uh, that just takes up unnecessary space. One thing I would recommend, uh, you, you don't do this, but one thing I recommend doing is I pack a Ziploc bag, like an empty Ziploc bag, and I put in my, my you know, my used undergarments, basically, with my socks, my underwear, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that just, you know, just kind of keeps it all away and stuff like that doesn't get mixed up with my clean clothes. Um, and there are a lot of people that like do that. Um, um, I mean, if you want to be super, super... Hygienic. I, like I don't, I don't understand the need for uh, packing like a pair of pants per day. Um, I don't. Maybe for some people, maybe it's a hygienic concern, but um, I don't. Yeah, I, I just, I don't understand that, and it just seems to me like it's, it's a lot of stress that you're putting on yourself, and it's a big burden that you're putting on yourself, uh, and it's an added expense. Um, so I just, it's, it's, it seems unnecessary. Um, and and same with like you know packing, you know, days ahead, sometimes weeks ahead. Um, again, like, aren't you going to need that stuff? Like, how much do you have in your wardrobe that you're not going to need those clothes? Especially if you're packing as much as you're packing. That... And we get, you're excited about the cruise yeah. and you want it to be here faster. And so sometimes it feels like pre-packing gets you there. Uh, and, and we feel that. We definitely yeah, do. We get excited about the trip. So uh, when that happens, instead of packing three months in advance, <laughs> we recommend you go to our YouTube channel and watch our videos repeatedly because I find that fills that void very nicely. <laughs> uh, you might see something you hadn't seen before. It gives you some ideas. Mm. Um, you know. And so we've got a myriad of different ways we can hopefully entertain you during those manic bits of I must pack a season before my trip. Yeah. Uh, so on YouTube, we are Vacation Impossible. So youtube.com forward slash Vacation Impossible. On Instagram, you can see pictures of our various trips and things that we're up to. That is just Vacation Impossible, one word on Instagram. We are on Twitter, vacate impossible, just because of the character limit. Uh, and so you can find us in a bunch of different places. We have a Tumblr, vacationimpossible.tumblr.com. So uh, vacationimpossible.ca is the website. Team at vacationimpossible.ca is the email. So feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions for future podcasts or things that you would like to see. Um, one thing that people do with packing is uh, sometimes they use magnets. And so I recently on this trip recorded... Uh, I bought myself a magnet and I was testing what surfaces in the cabin it will adhere to. So you can look forward to that video coming out soon to see if maybe a magnetic hook may or may not make sense to you, depending on what you're bringing. But when in doubt, leave it out is often a good approach when when you're traveling. And if you're flying, added weight means you're you're using more fuel and all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, I mean, if you're finding yourself asking, do I need this or should I pack this? The answer is probably no, because if you're asking that question, that, that, I mean, there's obviously some doubt there. Just like you said, leave it out. Um, so, yeah, just stop it. Thanks for uh, listening to the Vacation Impossible podcast. We'll be recording again probably in September. And uh, remember to check us out on social media and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, you name it. We're probably there. If not, let us know and we'll get added. If you can leave a nice review, that would be a boost and we appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening. Until next time. See you later.